Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay, so the plan here, everybody, we're actually going to talk about the not Chris Tapps Porzingis trade, apparently, now. So that'll be fun. Um, so that that's sort of the uh, the goal here. All right. Here's the other question, Oz. How do I know if I'm recording? Uh, let's see. No, we'll figure it out by the end. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. We'll just, uh, we'll have fun with it. So, all right, everybody, uh, you guys... If you've listened to the podcast before, you, you know the drill here. Usually we're slightly more organized than this, but it's also not in real time, so bear with us. Um, two sponsors, Stateside Vodka, Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard All That Good Stuff, um, and also Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest info, lines, matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, tennis, UFC, boxing. Did I say boxing? All that good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you can bet on the Porzingis trade if it actually goes through or not, probably. I bet there's a prop bet for that. And Bet Online continues to be your, your fastest way to place all your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino games and card games and all that good stuff. Uh, you can head to the website and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, we got all that stuff out of the way. Let's just actually talk about what we came here to talk about. Yeah. Oz and I talked about just having like fun with this uh, Porzingis trade and wishing him farewell. And I had all this stuff lined up for us about would we cheer more for him than Beal? And the obvious answer is yes. And now this motherfucker's not even getting traded, uh, it seems like. So I don't know, Oz. I, I guess um, maybe let's talk through the structure of what was going to be the deal first, and then we'll kind of say why maybe it fell apart. So yeah, um, Boston would have gotten Porzingis. The Clippers would have gotten Malcolm Brogdon, presumably because they didn't want old-ass, dusty Chris Paul from us the first time. And the Wizards would have gotten Marcus Morris, Danilo Gallinari, Amir Coffey, and at least the 30th pick, if not some other future compensation somewhere in there. Um, but you've been kind of paying attention to this on the feed here more than I have. So it sounds like it fell through on the Clippers end. I guess, what did you see so far there? Fell through on the Clippers end. It looks like the Clippers had concern over Malcolm Brogdon's injury history. So it seems like they are out and they are trying to make the deal, a direct deal between Boston and Washington, which would then remove, you would assume, the 30th pick. You would think Boston would have to throw in 35, which they have. Um, but then other contracts, Marcus Morris obviously wouldn't be coming here. Amir Coffey wouldn't be coming here. So they're going to be moving parts. Do we get now just Gallinari, Brogdon? Do they get uh, a Peyton Pritchard? So I think there's still a way to get this done. Um, we'll see what happens. And we'll frankly, we'll find out in the next like hour. Yeah, exactly. By the time this podcast finishes and we post it online and you're listening to it, you'll already know the outcome of this. So it might be, um, uh, you know, overcome by events at that point, but that's okay. Uh, Oz, I think we talked a little bit about this before I figured out how to actually go live with this thing, but there's a world where if you end up with still the 35th pick, that's actually better than 30 because it's basically the same caliber of player, except you don't have to give them guaranteed money. Now, somebody going 35 is probably getting guaranteed money. Like Isaiah Todd got reasonably guaranteed money, but 
his deal was uh, four years, seven million total. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. And there's probably some kind of structure in there where if he cut bait after a certain point, you're fine. So I don't know, like realistically, whoever you want at 30, kind of probably reasonable to think they're there uh, at 35. And also if you had 35, I'm sure you could package one of your seconds with it and get back up to 30 anyway, if you wanted right. to do that. So um, I, maybe it, it matters. Maybe it really doesn't. I, I think it's, it's you, perception. It's perception. Right, exactly. Perception is you got a first round pick. Now, if you get 35, the perception is you did not get a first round pick, even though you might get the exact, like you said, you might get the exact same player. And if the difference, if there's someone that you really want at 30, that's there in that 30, 28, 29 range, that is not there, that you're worried is not going to be there at 35, you package one of those later second round picks because you're not bringing four rookies onto this roster next year anyways. So that's what you do, or you package some of that, those six second round picks that you're going to get. So there's a way to, you'll get the same player. It's just more perception. So um, the result could still be good. It just won't feel the same. Now, the one concern, and you and I talked about this a little bit before, is how intent is Porzingis? How intent is this front office to get something done? Do they take a worse deal to get it done similar to the um, the Ariza Chris Kelly Oubre uh, deal with Phoenix where initially we were supposed to get a second and basically Ernie just wanted the deal done so bad that he took no seconds and got the deal done. So again, this front office gets the benefit of the doubt, but you would hope that they're not so desperate to get, to get something done that they take a bad deal. I had like the two hours of like pity party when all the young guys that I like on the Wizards roster got traded out as a part of the Beal deal and I was kind of down on the front office. And now I'm back in, you know, like, it's okay. Uh, I see this deal. I liked it. A lot of Wizards fans, I think, immediately were complaining about why couldn't you get more for Porzingis. But realistically, you were getting 30 and some shitty salaries that maybe you could chop up for additional seconds or something at the deadline just to be able to to sign and trade him. Uh, So, like, you were just being paid for your service at that point. And that doesn't seem like that much for Porzingis, but it's not really being traded for Porzingis. It's being, it's, you're getting stuff back to facilitate Boston being able to sign Porzingis essentially. So like, that's how I'm trying to look at it as like, okay, that's, that's why they're not getting much back for him. But um, it it would definitely be disheartening. I think if one, this deal falls through completely and two, if you do exactly what you just said and you take less essentially just to make it happen, like I will actually lose faith in this front office if that's sort of the thing, because then you're showing like, you're not trying to negotiate with leverage. Like I, I understand the need to like tear this thing down to the studs. I, I don't understand like the immediate rush to do it. Th- this isn't giving you like meaningful salary cap this off season. And, and why do you give a shit about having that anyway? Again, unless you're taking on other bad contracts. So you can still do that later. Uh, so I, I don't know why they'd be, I still didn't really know why we had to force the Beal deal, but okay, you want that one done. It's a huge deal. You don't want to risk mm-hmm. stuff with him. Fine. The Porzingis one, he's not going anywhere. Like, like people will want him. There's going to be some kind of market from somebody that needs a big, uh, almost any playoff contending team. If they had a shit contract would happily take Porzingis back and throw us some, some chump, you know, chump change. Like you probably get Milwaukee or somebody to want to take Porzingis, you know, next year going into the playoffs. Yeah. Like, so uh, you don't have to do this. So if they take shit back, I will actually like start to like, the honeymoon phase will officially be over for me. I- I'm not ready to like say fire winger or any of that crazy <laughs> stuff, but uh, it, you know, it's, it's a little tougher at that point. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, they'll have the benefit of, benefit of the doubt for me. And I'm sure from a lot of people, but there is see in the Beal case where I was with that was he had the no trade clause. 
You don't want him to go public with his discontent. And did he actually, in essence, ask to be traded versus saying, okay, if you want to trade me, I'll go here. Um, so I think there were a few issues over there, uh, a few other uh, other other things that to add context to that one. In this case, if Porzingis opts in, you're, you'll probably be able to get something equivalent to like the 30th pick around the deadline as well, assuming he's healthy and has a season similar to the one that he just had. Sure. Um, Rui went for three seconds. Thomas Bryant went for three seconds. Gary, Gary Payton went for five seconds. There's going to be a market for Kristaps Porzingis that is either going to be a lot of second round picks or maybe a late first or, uh, you know, a contract. So there is no downside in my opinion, if you're not getting the compensation you want to waiting, um, he's not going to ruin the tank. You're still going to be like a third, like, you know, a bottom five ish type mm-hmm. team. And you could hard tank after the deadline if you want. Uh, so there are ways to manage around it. I just don't, you know, it's, you know they have the benefit of the doubt. We'll see what we'll see what happens in the next hour. I think it'll still work out pretty well, but you know there's no rush here. There's like a ru- I think there was more of a rush with Beal. There's going to be more of a urgency with Kuzma because it may have to be a sign and trade. So it's not like you can sign him and then just trade him later. That just doesn't seem realistic at this point. Right. Porzingis doesn't have to be dealt right away. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's a dude that's going to be like an a-hole about this either. Like, he was super professional here. There was all that stuff early in his career about, hey, the brother's a dick to work with and, and all these things. But uh, we, we didn't hear like a peep about any of that from Chris Apps and, and his camp this whole year. So, like, I don't think you need to worry about, like, him being disgruntled if you don't do this immediately. And and I think everybody's kind of immediate reaction was, oh, the deal fell through and you heard this stuff about Porzingis has to opt in by midnight. So it's clearly like he's the holdout here. Well, sounds like it's not. I mean, we're hearing this part about the Clippers and Brogdon's injury history. Again, I would just be like, hey, how do you guys want Chris? Like, how do you feel about Chris Ball? Uh, you know, like, let's let's make something happen here. How about Monte Morris? Is there a way to still get that done and route him there? And maybe you get something yeah. additional back or Boston has to sweeten the deal to to pull this off. Like I, I haven't tried to do the trade machine or anything in there, but mm-hmm. if you want something to happen, I think these teams could all make something happen. So I, yeah, I I'm a little surprised that the Clippers seem to value Brogdon that much more than they would have Chris Paul. I mean, if you're worried about Chris Paul's age and injury history, work something out where there's like a Monte and a Chris Paul so that you have regular season insurance. Sure. I'm sure you can manage the contracts. I'd, I'd have to go, like you said, play with the trade also, machine. A little imagine bit. being worried about Chris Paul's injury history and not Brogdon's. Like, so right. like that, that seems weird <laughs> in the first place. Like Chris Paul was genuinely good last year in the regular season. His problem is he's just old and he falls off by the playoffs because the workload's yeah. too high. Workload's too much. That's when the minutes get heavy and get more, get tough, become tougher minutes. And that's just, it's just tough for him. Um, but yeah, Brogdon has always had injury history. That's kind of also why when the initial trade reports came out, I was like, okay, cool. 30 is fine. What else is Boston giving up? And I didn't really care if it came here. Mm-hmm. To me, Boston getting Porzingis for Brogdon, who is older than Kristaps, yep. has as much injury issues as Kristaps seemed like just thievery. So I was, I was like, this is just bullshit. If they're getting they're getting like a massive upgrade for, <laughs> for nothing. Yeah, it just... I don't know. I don't really want to see another Morris brother in a Wizards jersey either. No, I don't know that, that he would have really actually been here, either. But- yeah, I, if yeah, if I got annoyed by by uh, Kendrick Nunn shooting a lot at the end of the season, <laughs> like it's gonna drive me like batshit crazy. If I see like Marcus Morris like taking fifteen or eighteen shots a game for us as he as he tries to play his way for a contract or a big trade, you know, like that would just irritate the hell out of me. 
Yeah, and him like Instagramming out about like knowing your I know my role and I know my worth and all this stuff. It's like, okay, bro, like we get it. <laughs> I, I understand that. That's nice, but um, and eh, you know, your, what's your role in Washington on a rebuilding team? Like he would have bitched about being here and not you know, having his talents be on a more of a prominent stage or whatever, like the wizards are getting no national TV games next year at this rate. So, Oh yeah. Uh, if you're Definitely anybody not. that cares about that or a next contract, you, you don't want to be on this roster because no one is going to see you play basketball next year. Yeah, you should be able to get in cheap though. That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about that tonight. There's a guy that we play, uh, in our pickup game with that, like works in ticketing and he usually gives tickets away. And the worse they are as a team, the more likely he is to give out just like, here's a, shit ton of tickets to people so um i might have a hookup next year i guess for people if they want to get in uh you know on on the cheap but as i want to talk just a minute here real quick about some of the other guys that were supposed to be in this deal for the wizards like we talked about marcus morris uh just again not really super appealing i don't know how much he has left i didn't watch the clippers a ton last year i I always kind of joke about them being my west coast team and it's literally just because we have a hookup with the clippers so we get gear and shit um but I don't watch them enough to to feel strongly about it. My sense is he's probably cooked, so I don't know if you can reroute him for much stuff anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't agree with everyone who said that he's a good retrade candidate. Retrade candidates to me are, you get a John Collins from Atlanta, a player who was worth a lot at some point, was like a 19 and 10 guy on on like 60% true shooting. Right. Um, who has like a now a knuckle injury mm-hmm. plus didn't really mesh well with Trey Young and Google that finger for anybody that wants to just yeah. be nauseous late at night. <laughs> yeah. So like their issues. So like he's someone you could bring him in, rehab his value, and then flip him later, and he could have positive value later. To me, in my opinion, yeah. uh, a Jordan Poole is someone else that would kind of fit that mold. Get him kind of while they're down on him, rehab his value, ship him out. Even a Tim Hardaway, that type from Dallas, he's a, he's a shooter, and ultimately shooters are always in need. Last, like in the last season of his deal, he'll be he'll be tradable. Um, Marcus Morris like reeked buyout candidate, post deadline buyout candidate. We would hold him for fifty games. He would suck up shots, suck up usage, and then after the deadline, takes a buyout and goes to probably the other other LA team. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe this was said in confidence, but it's been long enough ago. And I think this person has told this story and I don't even remember the specifics at this point. So um, don't hold me to this exactly. But uh, I was at a bar one time after a basketball game with one of his high school coaches. I think that Morris twins had multiple, multiple high school coaches because they uh, moved around a good amount. Um, but they, uh, he was telling the story about how not only one of the Morrises, but both of them were like, trying to actually put one of the student managers into a locker and is like, they were literally both a foot and a half bigger than the kid, but he had made like a joke about them. So they were actually taking it out on him. It's like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, the, the bully reputation has literally been around for like 15 years at this point. And um, it's it's well-earned, but I mean, it's, it's earned, but it's also like now that they're kind of older at the end of their careers and, it's just like the fake okay, tough guy shit. Is the NBA does the NBA doesn't need you, you know. Yeah. So latest update: the Celtics uh, from Woj at Woj ESPN. The Celtics didn't want to wait any deeper into Wednesday night on the completion of the proposed three-way trade and pivoted away from including the Clippers in the deal. Sources tell ESPN, mm. Wizards and Celtics are working on revised scenarios now. So it looks like the Celtics were like, "Cool, we're tired of ULA. We're doing this ourselves," which probably throws a little 
you know, it's probably interesting the whole dynamic, Lawrence Frank, Michael Winger. Yeah. Um, but you know, hey, Winger works here now. He has to do what he has to do. If the Celtics don't want to don't want to include LA, that's it. Yeah, they can kick rocks at this point, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Uh yeah. you know, and and that's I don't know if I'm I'm the Clippers and I have this huge new arena that I'm like trying to get filled out. I'd rather have a Chris Paul anyway than a Malcolm Brogdon. Like I know it sounds stupid. It probably who knows how much it actually changes for you on the court. I, I still think Chris Paul is a better regular season player than Malcolm Brogdon is. But like, let's say you say they're equivalent. If I'm a young kid in LA and I'm going to buy a ticket to a game, I'd much rather say I saw Chris Paul play at some point than Malcolm Brogdon. So I think that would be a considerably more interesting thing um, yeah. for, for them from a selling tickets standpoint. I don't disagree at all. Yeah. I, you know, Brogdon is a solid player. I mean, he's a good player when he's healthy, but it's not going to be healthy and he's not going to kind of at the end of meaningful playoff games, he's not going to have the ball in his hands at all where Chris Paul, if he's healthy, will. Sure. If he's healthy, did I say that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> if he's healthy, he will. Yeah. Is there a point you get to here, Oz, where you just say, all right, F it. Like we're, we're not taking chump change from, from Boston here either. We'll just keep Porzingis and, then you run the risk of maybe you don't find a trade partner for him later. But is there a world where like this team running it back and Chris Paul is healthy regular season? Chris Paul is actually like a play in team next year. Like I, it wouldn't shock me if they were just somehow better than last year's team was, uh, even if they didn't want to be. So I said this like I didn't even say it in jest. People probably people took it that way. Yeah. Chris Paul, um, Porzingis, Avdia, Kispert, Gafford. They'd win 35 games, I think. I, I don't I don't disagree. Like I, yeah, I, I they thought I was more. kidding they when win, I said it, and now that I think about it, it's like, Because eh. uh, you think about it, Porzingis was the most efficient, the best player on the team last year, sure. consistently. Um, you're having Chris Paul. Chris Paul still had a good, good season. He'd be motivated to go elsewhere right. and show that he could still play. Mm-hmm. You'd assume there's some growth from some of the young kids, and they're going to add a lottery pick. And, you know, Shamit's a serviceable player. He's probably... Mm-hmm. Shamit compared to our bench last year, is he better than every player who, I mean, DeLon Wright, actually you still have DeLon Wright. So like yeah. between those guys, they still have some work to do if they don't want to be, if they did not want to be a 35 win team. So they would be in the play in a fight, I think with Porzingis and Chris Paul. Yeah, um, I agree, man. Like it, it's, it's, it's sad to say that, but um, they could be if they wanted to be. And maybe that makes Ted happy that they're at least not totally bottoming out while still kind of doing the right things overall. Yeah, I think there would be a point where you do want to pivot. Like, uh, I think Oklahoma City is a good example, and you know, Will Dawkins will know that firsthand. I think that first year that um, that first year Shea Gilgis Alexander got there, they were mm. exceeding expectations by far. They right. they pretty much had to tell him to stop playing. Yep. Him and, and they uh, didn't they send Al Al Horford home after the All Star break or something yeah, like, that? like that. Thanks for your time here, basically. Yeah, they said you ha- you were great. We'll trade you this off season, or we'll trade you. You know, I think you got traded in the off season. There was they were playing too well and they had to basically hit the brakes so you could hit the brakes and still get into the lottery now i think one thing i wanted to ask you you being the draft draft expert um we've heard that the 24 draft is weaker how is it still top heavy are there a couple good prospects how weak actually is it where do you necessarily i mean obviously you'd want to be as high as you can but if you're in the top 10 are you still going to get a good player do you really want to be top five next year so it's funny, like this year's draft, the narrative, by the way, I would say it also is kind of parallel to Utah this year too, where they started off really good all of a sudden, and then they had to like scale it back and tell everybody to chill out too. So that, right. there, there is some precedent for that. But uh, next year's draft is, is interesting because 
anyway, this year's draft has become, oh, well, it's actually not that good a draft because it's not crazy deep. And a lot of the like real second round depth all went back to college essentially to be guys next year because the narrative was next year was a weaker draft. So they thought that like maybe mm-hmm. that would be better for them. So I think maybe it even things out a little bit from just like a depth perspective. But next year's draft, I look at as like this year's draft minus probably um, Wembenyama, Scoot, and Brandon Miller. So it's like if you just started with the Thompson twins, essentially. Okay. Uh, I, I saw somebody saying that they thought like Anthony Black would be like a top three pick next year. And it's like, I, I don't know what that's really the case or not. But I, I was saying that I thought Bali in next year's draft is a top five pick. Well, there's a world where he gets pretty close to being a top five pick in this year's draft. So right. is that really that big of a difference? Uh, I don't know that that's... So if you're picking six or seven, you're still getting an effect, uh, a player who should help. Six, yeah, I think uh, so. It'll, it'll be like Ron Holland that's decided to go right. to the G League Ignite, who I think is a really good player, or DJ Wagner, who's been like a premier um, bucket getter, you know, on Bronny? the... Uh, yeah. Did you say Bronny? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bronny, I think, could come in right now and be like a worse version of DeLon Wright. So um, that's really appealing. Where is he supposed to go in the draft? Sorry, I know we're diverting off Porzingis, no, no, but I just got to ask. Uh, ESPN had them had him as lottery pick in their most recent mock, and and he went from a guy that was like top seventy five his whole time to top fifty suddenly, and then to top thirty, and now all of a sudden they're putting him in the lottery. It's like I don't know. So so USC is going to have a good team next year uh, for the most part, but they also are bringing back Boogie Ellis, who's a really good like senior point guard. He might even be a fifth year senior. I can't remember. And then they're bringing in Isaiah Isaiah Collier, who's the number one point guard recruit in the country. <laughs> so it's like Bronny is like probably not gonna start for that team. I wouldn't think. Um, actually, I think Delon Wright is like not a terrible comp for him. Essentially, like he's okay. kind of like a reasonably physical. Like he'll come in and defend right away and just hit like open threes. It's just does he really do that much else for you at this point? Yeah. So um, and no you way. get you get. LeBron with him potentially for a year or two. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't take him with the seventh pick or whatever if we're as bad as <laughs> you know we, we want to be. But if you found yourself with a pick in the twenties, like I would absolutely roll the dice if I were some team. All right. Uh, sorry, so, sorry for diverting there. You know, n- no, it was it was worthwhile diversion. Um, so just maybe let's talk draft here for a minute. Let's say they yeah. they rework this deal and they end up with a thirty fifth pick from Boston instead. A couple of the names, uh, you've got Santa Clara's Brandon Pajemski is kind of slated in that late first, early second round range. I, I think he's probably moved up a little bit by all accounts into like the early 20s. But, yeah. you know, 25 to 35-ish is like not really that big of a drop. So I think just kind of depends on team need. You've got a guy like Marcus Sasser out of Houston, like tough as shit, like guard defender right now who will just like bang out threes and not really much of a creator for anybody but i'm not convinced he's like worse than like a davion mitchell um defensively and he can shoot it so like that seems like a pretty serviceable player to have on a cheap contract right away uh you got maxwell lewis from pepperdine who like had some lottery buzz at the beginning of the year and kind of cooled a little bit because nobody's seen him play in a long time because they were trash does a gg jackson fall because people are scared Supposedly his workouts have been like kind of terrible and he's out of shape and all this stuff. And like, I heard he showed up to like late to one of them. I think is one of the, like the reports I heard. Um, But you know, is there at a certain point where you're like, well, F it, we can just try with the talent. I don't know. He's probably, I say a Todd 2.0, which I know 
And look, Everybody a lot of those that's small, rich coming from me, but a lot of those smallest guards drop on draft day too. Kind of the yeah. inefficient college, <laughs> like the Keontae George types. Mm-hmm. Like he could, you know, following the Jaden Hardy, um, Cam Thomas, I think could drop. Um, what do you think about Olivier Max? I, I don't know if I'm saying his right name, his name correctly. Prosper. Max and Prosper. Yeah. Max so and Prosper. Everybody calls him Omax for the f- most part, just because I like Omax. Easier. You know, yeah, I like easier it. to say. It sounds cool, too, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so he's he's an interesting one. I think he'll ultimately end up going in the 20s because somebody will sell themselves on like, could he be Mikael Bridges? Because they're like the same physical profile, but mm-hmm. he's a good athlete. He's got like a pretty projectable jump shot. I hate when people say projectable, but I don't, I don't, he didn't shoot like a ton of stuff this year. So it's hard to say like, he's just going to be this knockdown shooter, but it doesn't, that doesn't look like there's any reason why he shouldn't. And his percentages were good. Um, But uh, we've talked about this a little bit on past pods, I think. So if anyone's hearing this again, sorry about it, but he, um, he played in like a really weird system in Marquette where they used him as like a point of attack defender, essentially at like, or like the top of a press sometimes. And um, so he didn't end up with like a lot of steals and blocks and stuff like that. So like our buddy, Kevin Broom, when he did like, he looked at it analytically, it was like, Oh, he's, is he that good of a defender? It's like, well, yeah, it's just, it's sort of, he, he wasn't put in an opportunity to do that. And he also like guarded a lot of bigger guys too, for them. So it, it'd be interesting to see, can he, can he be switchable onto smaller wings and stuff like that? But if you're, if you're picking 35 and he's there, I would take him in a heartbeat just to see yeah. if a six foot seven athlete with a jump shot turns into something. Um, Julian Phillips right. is another one from Tennessee. He was a McDonald's all American five-star recruit that went to Tennessee and they chose to play like six foot one, like 25 year old guys that probably can't even play overseas ahead of him. Uh, <laughs> Cause Rick Martins is an interesting fellow. Um, yeah. So he essentially was like, bummed out early in the year that he couldn't beat out these guys that will be mailmen essentially next year. So um kind of checked out, but he shot like 30% from three, but 85% from the free throw line looks like he has some touch. And it was like an actual bucket getter in high school. He played with Jordan Walsh that played at Arkansas. And then this year he just was, he was just bad. And he looked kind of like it was like the, the monster stole his powers kind of situation. Like he looked lost and out of place. And I think they just killed his confidence. So that's a guy that, Apparently shoots the shit out of it in workouts. He's another dude at 35. You you just take him and you never, you know, look back, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll see. Looks like uh, I'm checking for checking for trade updates. It looks like more on here. One thing from Bobby Marks. The mm-hmm. challenge comes with Boston not having any big contracts except for Jalen Brown that expire after the 23-24 season. In the prior deal, Marcus Morris and Daniel Gallinari came off the cap next offseason. So Gallinari would still come off the cap because he's coming yep. from Boston. Right. Um, so would we but be willing to take on contract. another year of money from somebody to do it? So Malcolm Brogdon, I think he has two years left on his con- Did he sign a three-year deal with them? Or Yeah, that sounds right. Or he had a four-year deal at some point. I think he had three years left when he got to Boston. Yep. Checking on that right now. So that does actually make it tougher to take the deal straight up. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're taking two years of Malcolm Brogdon versus getting out of potentially Porzingis' deal, then you definitely do need to be incentivized to do so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need more back because, yes, Brogdon is under contract 2024 to 2025 for another $22.5 million. And mm. knowing that in this situation, a team has backed out of a deal for him because of his physical, he's not someone that may be easily flippable. So you have to get something. You have to get a sweeter deal than you were getting before, I yep. think. Oh because yeah. If you're taking, it, it if you're taking an extra year of money, yeah. 
<clears throat> that's right. Yeah. Extra year money, you have to get more than just 30 expiring contracts. You got to, or they have to figure out another third team to get in there. I think that's what they're going to have to do at this point. It doesn't seem like that that's going to be an appealing move for them. Like I, this is exactly what you talked about at the onset here of like, <laughs> this would be the desperation move from them. Like if, if they still pulled this off, uh, that doesn't look particularly good. So yeah, this would be, if you're taking Brogdon, <coughs> excuse me, and you're getting the 35th pick in the draft, mm-hmm. you're basing, basically paying $22.5 million in cap space to buy a second-round pick, yeah. which does not make sense. That's not market. So you have to get something substantial. You need to get another first down the road. Mm-hmm. You need to get a couple of prospects you might like on that team on their bench. The The structure of the guys going to Clipper, the Clippers just coming here instead just does not work in my opinion. Yeah, that's really interesting too. And and I thought I wanted to see if Boston had any other um picks in the draft, and they don't. It's literally just thirty-five. So yeah. Um I don't even know who's like really under contract for them longer term, but like does a Justin Champagny or Peyton Pritchard or one of those guys interest you enough as a young player that you would count it as an as like an asset. I I didn't but even then, like twenty-two million in cap space. That's that's just a lot. Like I yeah. have to, I have to go back and look at recent examples of you need what. a real, yeah, a real blue chip prospect back at that. Yeah, point. but I'm thinking contracts that are typically in that fifteen to twenty million dollar range net you at least a first round pick. You know, yeah, yeah I think um, so. So thirty five and a couple just pieces that you might like, and a player that you might not be able to flip because of physical issues, like uh, physical issues and injury issues. Doesn't sound too enticing, but let's see what they come up with, if they come up with something. Yeah, maybe let's uh, let's focus on the eighth pick here just for a minute. We've been going let's back and forth about this in the the group chat here a little bit today, but um, uh, I guess ESPN put in their most recent mock draft that if Anthony Black is off the board, uh, Kobe Bufkin from Michigan has some real supporters within the Washington front office, and those were guys like the. <coughs> basically the OKC guys, you know, formerly OKC guys in Dawkins and, and winger uh, presumably talk to other players on their roster and people like that. And, and you've got SGA uh, working out with Kobe Bufkin all this off season. There's a picture of them, you know, going to the same trainer and working out together and stuff like that. So, so maybe they heard anecdotally like, Hey, this dude is, this dude is looking pretty good, but uh, he's, he's been a riser through this whole process. And I think a lot of people, what they found out through like their intel and kind of digging into this thing is that, uh, you know, Jawan Howard essentially built that Michigan team around one, uh, mm-hmm. th- the big man himself, Hunter Dickinson, and then two, his own son, Jed Howard. Right. And I guess the feeling was that they just kind of like Kobe Bufkin wasn't really that good as a freshman. So they just kind of were like, eh, you'll be, you'll be an ancillary piece here. And then over the course of the year, uh, you know, like Jet essentially checked out on doing anything other than just like heaving up shots. He got hurt for a little bit. And, and I guess Buffkin like really came on at that point in the season. So people are like, oh, like maybe he could do even more if he were put in a better situation to be successful. And yeah. I think that's why, you know, you, you've seen sort of that late rise from him. Also, I think the Heat's playoff success of just like, let's always have guys that can do three of the four between pass, dribble, shoot, and defend. And Buffkin can do four of the four at least reasonably well. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that that makes him appealing. But that ESPN report, um, as soon as it like actually right before it got published, I had one friend that's sort of well connected in the draft space text me and said, "Hearing uh, Buffkin to Washington," and then the ESPN thing came out, and another one like 
20 minutes after it was like hearing Buffkin to Washington. Um, so I, I think those are people that at least know people that know people and, and are around some of this stuff enough to, to give like good, uh, credible info. So yeah, it, it, if all I'm saying is that if you're listening to this and you're like, who the hell is Kobe Buffkin, um, watch a couple of highlights. So you have at least some frame of mind of oh, like what kind of player you could potentially get it, you know, at eight, because this is a guy that, um, by all accounts could, could be very, um, much in the running for the wizards, uh, with the eighth pick. I, uh, we were asked earlier, I think you were on this chain also, mm-hmm. we were asked to rank Asur, Bilal, yeah. Kobe and Anthony black yeah. in, in order. So the order I came up with was Asur, Bilal, Kobe and Anthony black actually in that order. Cause I'm reading mm-hmm. the tweet. That's why I say it that way. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's not an indictment on any of the four. I think any of the four would be a solid pick at eight. Yeah. Um, I think all the it's not as though I dislike any of them. That's just kind sure. of just some personal preference. Mm-hmm. What I saw from 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 Kobe was he was really like he's he's. I guess with the curiosity, I'm always a little nervous when a guy does not perform well his freshman year and all of a sudden kind of takes out his sophomore year especially coming off the heels of Johnny Davis kind of being in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Now, the, now the difference here is, is Buffkin can clearly get to the basket. You know, mm-hmm. there's no concern that he, you know, that he is a three level score. I think the concern with, with Johnny Davis even now is, can he drive, can he dribble penetrate by the initial defender? So and it's, and it's kind of why we always see him settle for the floater or do that. And it was this challenge, especially in summer league. I don't think you'll have that issue from him. From, but why did it take him so long to kind of get going in college? That's a question that I have. That said, the skills, like you said, he shows that he could be a three-level scorer to at least – he won't. None of, none of the three levels seem like they will be a weakness for him. And defense doesn't seem like it will be a weakness for him. There's kind of a little bit of a concern on the slight build, but there have been plenty of guards especially that have been able to make do with that. So I'm not, I'm not overly concerned with it. Um, do you see him as more of a traditional two guard or kind of a combo guard or uh, a scoring point guard? How do you see him there? Uh, to me, again, I, I've said this a couple times. I kind of hate watched Michigan all year. One, he <laughs> didn't like Hunter Dickinson despite having to eat crow and still wanting him to play at Maryland, but uh, they just weren't like a fun team to watch. They lost their point guard in the off season and Buffkin wasn't really the guy that kind of filled that void so that was a little off-putting to me if like he can be this nba point guard all of a sudden like why didn't that become like the no-brainer um you know move in college and maybe that's just hey he he wasn't the um you know wasn't in the position to do that i i don't know but you know can he be an nba point guard like bring the ball across half court and run sets and initiate pick and roll yeah i, I mean like is he going to be the guy that's like really like anthony black will create like easy looks for other people. I, I don't right. know that I think Kobe Buffkin does that, but, um, and, and also there's a little bit of a narrative that he's like, this is like great knockdown shooter. He shot 35% from three, which is fine. Uh, he was like in the mid eighties from, from the free throw line, which is everybody's favorite indicator. Cause it's touch shows touch, but, uh, like he's not coming and he's not Steph Curry right away. Um, yeah. but he, but he's solid at everything. He was good defensively. I, I don't think he's a better defender than black is right now, but, but he's a day one much better shooter, and um, and that's probably the most appealing thing here. Like I think he might even actually have like the safest floor of those four guys because he he's just the very least like seems like he's going to be a solid third guard role player kind of dude. I, I don't personally see the same upside, um, but I've 
obviously been super wrong before. I, I had SGA like 14th on my board or something like that. So like I, I didn't see that one coming, but um, you know. And I think that's the natural association people are making. They're, they're OKC, well, they didn't pick him, but SGA went to OKC, kind of blew mm-hmm. up, became this great player. You can see the signs of that in LA. Is this a similar type player um, coming along? You just kind of just make that connection because the whole OKC, even though they didn't draft him and you're wondering, is this our version or our chance to get someone like him I don't see that either, um, but I do see a high floor and upside. It's just I don't know where that upside, like how ultimately high, how high that upside is. My concern, I think, why I had Black fourth of the fourth of those four players, and still not a low player. I think he's, if I were comparing him to Dyson Daniels, who I like last draft, I think I'd take him above Dyson Daniels. Um, but the only issue, I just you know, I don't want to wonder too much about a jump shot anymore. You know. Um, I think Blau will be able to shoot. I think uh, Bufkin will be able to shoot. Uh, Asur, I'm not sure about, but his athleticism is so unbelievable that I'm less concerned about it. I mean, he's just yeah. a physical freak, so you're just not as concerned about it with him or Amen as much as you are with other players. So that's my only thing with Anthony Black. Like, is he going to be able to hit a pull-up jumper consistently? Is he going to be able to draw on the defense because they are concerned about his scoring? So I have a tiny bit of an issue concern there, which is why I put him four of four of that group, but I still have him like, if he's at eight, that's great. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, if, if, if these guys say that this is the dude, um, about any of the four of those guys you just mentioned, like, I'm going to be just fine. Uh, I think that's kind of what I've come back to. Uh, the, the other name I was like trying to find out some stuff about was just like, somebody has to fall in this draft, especially, uh, if a cool Bali could rise or a Kobe Bufkin could rise, like there's going to be people that have been consensus top 10 this whole time that, that start to fall. And um, Taylor Hendricks has been talked about a lot. And like the Pacers, um, I heard Hendricks do an interview today where he said uh, he worked out with Detroit and then like another six teams sometime, somewhere in that range. So I, I didn't really know what that meant. I've been trying to find out all day if that definitely includes Washington and the new front office suddenly has stopped making those things public, which is mm-hmm. sort of how OKC operated. So it seems like that's a thing they're going to carry over here. So it, it, it's become like a little bit of guesswork. And I'm asking different people like, you know, that work for different agencies and stuff. Like, do you know if uh, Taylor Hendricks has been <laughs> in to see anyone? But um, he's another like solid floor dude with a little bit of upside. So uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, you what that looks Ken, like. But Ken Whitmore is in that same category. Someone that as of per what you're hearing in the media seems to be slipping. Yep. Is he, and this is after actually, and it's funny because at the beginning of the draft process, he was pretty much in our range. Mm-hmm. Then after um, the pro day, after the combine, his agency's yep. pro day, they're like, wow. And he started shooting up, you know, um, pun inside of shooting up boards like to five or potentially even higher. I think he's another high floor guy just because of how his freakish athleticism and his strength and kind of how big he is at his age. Um, there is probably a cap on his upside because of his lack of playmaking and how good the shot is, but you know, he's another safe guy. Now the thing is this though, if you kind of like look at the OKC model or even kind of just the players, like they kind of like guys who distribute, do you want to really kick off your rebuild with a guy who does not really pass the ball? That's kind of the weird, the weird fit part with Cam Whitmore. I just don't know the answer to that. I mean, he's, he's a good player, high floor, but would you want someone who contributes in more than one way to kind of kick this off? 
Yeah, I, I think in a perfect world, um, that's probably the appeal of Bufkin, to be honest, is that he he's going to do a, a lot of different things, at least pretty well. Whereas like th- there's a world where somebody like him went where he just like can't play in an offense because he's just like got too much tunnel vision and stuff like that. I don't think that'll be the case, but um, at, based on those reports, I asked the same kind of people about that. I was asking the Taylor Hendricks thing. Uh, and some of the ones that mentioned the Buffkin stuff, just about like what his workouts have been like, is that really the case? And I think what I've heard from from those folks at this point is that he most certainly stunk it up during his Detroit workout. And that sort of um, stigma has maybe carried with him that not all, maybe necessarily actually all of the workouts are are like bad, but he's not blowing people away at the very least. And I, I remember, you know, while Larry Hughes was still doing the show, he talked about openly like tanking a particular workout because he didn't want to go somewhere. Is there a world where Kim Whitmore just doesn't want to go to Detroit? Um, I hear the downtown has become a lot nicer in the last couple of years, but I wouldn't want to go to Detroit either. No offense. Uh, but that, that stuff does happen. Like that's a real you thing. You can't say I don't want to go to Detroit. No offense. Yeah. Well, sorry <laughs> about it. They, they don't want me to go there either. I don't think uh, Washington yeah, you know, wants me here most I mean, of look, the time. It's just like in our, in the chat that Matt and I are in, Someone asked why wouldn't Cape uh, Porzingis want to go to Boston, and I was like, "Well, it's like hell with us. Like, Fuck Boston. I don't want to live there." <laughs> they would worship a big ass white dude in Boston, though. Like that is a Bill Simmons wet dream right now is to be able to be like, "Oh my god, we've got a big Latvian dude." Oh, uh, I don't know. So anyway, the Whitmore thing. It, it'll be interesting to see if any of that's like real or if Detroit is like, "Hey, we're not going to let one bad workout deter us." I think friend of the show, Sam vicini has got him like third on his board right now, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe fourth at the very least fourth, but I think he might have him third, which is, is kind of crazy to me that some teams are saying like, well, yeah. well, well, I'm, I, I don't know if, if I'm Orlando, even though I've got every wing, big wing forward ever, I still take a camp with more if he's at seven and I just figure out the fit later. That, that would be my guess. Yeah. It'd be kind of like, you know, that'll be Whitmore, Franz and Paula would be, you know, between that, Kind of a little yeah. physically freakish, at least two of the three. And Franz is a great player. That'd be pretty, a pretty good trio to build around. Um, I read someone today speculate that he wanted to. He was basically taking his way down to the wizard spot. I'm, but again, that's the wizard didn't want him. But also, we. I mean, I guess the thing is, until this draft occurs, we won't really know how this front office operates. Right. The Johnny Davis pick was pretty much telegraphed. Um, mm-hmm. Corey Kispert was easy to pick also it was him or chris duarte or moses moody i think whichever one of the three i think everyone kind of consensus was whichever one of those three shooters slips will end up being a wizard Corey hisbert slipped he ended up a wizard. trey murphy they worked out like late in the yeah. process too he could have maybe been a guy if both kids were, were gone yeah. right exactly um so some of these moves have just become telegraphed mm-hmm. uh if it's whitmore it would catch everyone like basically blindside everybody because he's never been discussed even if it's in a slipping type scenario, I don't think like if at this point, let me just ask you this. If it's Ken Whitmore and Anthony Black and and Kobe are on the board, do you, would you expect them to take Ken Whitmore? Uh, it, you said it. I, it really, we don't know enough about this front office to right. know. I think they would just say from a value perspective, um, it, it's hard to pass on Whitmore. I think to be honest with you, the last front office would have done it. I think that's yeah. by all accounts, like they tried to trade up to get Denny. They didn't. They told Tyrese Halliburton, you're the guy if you're there. And then Denny was still there and they took Denny because I, they didn't want to look bad. 
but I also think there's some world where if it's seen if it's seen as somebody who fell and everybody was high on by consensus, you're protecting the asset in some way of like the retrade value of some player like that yeah. is a little easier for people to say like, well, the Wizards are just a shit organization. Maybe if we took this guy that should have been a top five pick, we could be the ones to like revitalize his career. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I would consider it. I think it's a little easier now, honestly, without, you know, the big three to fit around or whatever, because you don't care if he's got, if he's not passing to people right now, you've got yeah. three or four years before really any of that. It's stuff not a finished product. It's yeah. not a finished product. There's a team. So you're not looking for an exact precise fit. It would just, I think we'll just have more. We'll have data points to kind of predict how going forward to forecast how, like, is it going to be a telegraph pick? So like, if it's one of, if it's Buffkin, if it's, Bilal, if it's Anthony Black, I think we mm. would all say, oh, it's kind of what everyone predicted. It would still be exciting, but there would be a little like, oh, that's not really not really surprising for us. It's not really a shock. It's cool. They took who everyone expected them to take. Or are they operating in complete secrecy? And is it going to be like uh, a 2000, what year was that? 2019, when no one expected Shepard to say Rui Hachimura. You right. know? <laughs> we'll find that out tomorrow. The The narrative thing around Anthony Black, like, I don't care if someone just doesn't like him as a prospect. Like, if you're just like, hey, I don't want guys that can't shoot. Okay, cool. Like, I can I can totally, like, understand the thinking there. And if you've got PTSD from us taking guys that didn't shoot well before and saying, oh, well, no worries, we'll just retool the shot. Like, these guys are coming from an organization where they brought in people like Chip England because they, they care about actually attaching resources to trying to fix those things. So I'd have a little more faith they can do it. But if that makes you skeptical... I, I totally understand, but turning him into quote, he's just another Troy Brown jr. Or just another Denny Optia is like really one of those things that's like breaking me down mentally. The more I keep hearing it because Troy wasn't a playmaker really in college. He was a, a guard, essentially a guard wing. They could dribble a little bit. He wasn't particularly productive. The team was fine. They weren't like world beaters at, at Oregon that year. Uh, he could not shoot and he did not defend. So you basically yeah. took a, a wing that, that dribbled good, um, you know, with that pick. Whereas black has been like a real honest to God on ball creator for people on a team with no spacing. He still got to the rim, honestly, at a great rate and, and got to the free throw line a good amount, which is already great. And he was a very good defender for like day one. Yeah. So that's very different to me than Troy Brown Jr. And I feel like, Troy well, Brown wasn't even a good defender in the no, NBA. No, especially when good, he was here. He wasn't a good defender in college. So no. like that wasn't a skill that they brought him in to do. And and Denny, nobody was talking about Denny's defense coming in. So he turned into a good defender because he's he tries to like be physical and, and use his positioning and all those things. And and I give him credit because he plays hard. But mm-hmm. um point Denny was not a thing. Like let's let's just like correct the narrative there. He was like a good secondary playmaker. He could grab and go and do these things and attack mismatches against smaller um, guys. He could like kind of out physical them and get them on his hip or against bigger guys. He was quick enough that it didn't matter that he couldn't dribble with his left hand. Uh, But, but again, it was against different competition. The SEC is very athletic. He had guards on him and he was still driving by guys and he out physical bigger dudes at the rim. So um, he was very good at like wide open catch and shoot, not very good, but he was good at wide open catch and shoot. So I think there's some projectability there for like black to be just a good player, um, from day one. So I, I, it's just, 
it tweaks me a little bit. If you just don't like him, I don't care. Like it doesn't bother me. It's just the let's let's not say things that aren't true just to make our point about a prospect. That that's the thing that kills yeah. me. It sounds like you're substreaming someone. Just no. say <laughs> it, it's become half a wizard's Twitter at this point. Honestly. No, I know. I know. And look, it's 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 a lazy look. I get why people are a little you know, it just it yeah. sticks with you. Like yeah. the bigger point guard. Oh, get if, it. if Anthony Black could shoot really well and you knew that, then the comparison goes out of the window. He'd also be a top two pick if, if he yeah, was exactly. six foot seven and, and could really shoot it. Right. So there's a little concern. You think, oh no, this is another six foot seven guy who's supposedly a point guard who can't. That's just like you know, it's a what's the difference? But like you said, Troy Brown never looked like a point guard. He looked like a bad version of Evan Turner. Yeah, exactly. Right, a less um, physical Evan Turner. Yeah, Denny Avdia can't dribble with his left hand, so how is he a point guard? He's a secondary playmaker, ideally, mm-hmm. even though we really just started seeing that at the end of last season. Right. So yeah, the it, comparison isn't really there. And like, if you want to, you know, I get it to a degree if you want to kind of just make a little bit of a comp there. And maybe that's his like absolute floor if things, you know, if it's, but like he did show more as a playmaker than any of those other two ever have at a high level before entering the NBA. If, so, he, if, if your comp is Sean Livingston, because he didn't shoot it that well, but he's a big point guard. That's a better okay, comp. You know, like yeah. something like that. I, I can I can live with that. Um, yeah. And even if you say, I don't buy the vertical jump numbers, he didn't look that athletic to me. He's post-injury Sean Livingston. Okay. Like I, you know. Do so you, I'll give you something you. there on that side. He kind of is like a small, he for a longer guy, he doesn't have like long, lanky strides, sure. kind of is like a short strider. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Saturansky mm-hmm. could jump out That's of the right. gym, but he had yeah. small strides, yeah, but he was it, still athletic. You just it just didn't always look like it, you know. Yep. No, that's definitely yeah. true. And and he uses that kind of like short, herky jerky, like st- I'm gonna like stutter step you and then go kind of stuff. Like, I just I think in today's NBA, especially with all the spacing, it doesn't really matter if you're like the burstiest guy like it helps like the Thompson twins being like no one being able to stay in front of them is obviously yeah. huge for them but it, it doesn't mean that you can't also just do it with craft also so but those short strides those short steps is actually what makes it uncomfortable on yeah, it's hard to guard it, you because have he's no, long and he's yeah. playing like he's long but he plays like he's small mm-hmm. like in terms of his feet but he's still that long so it makes it more effective yep i agree uh i, I think i i just have a strong feeling that Orlando is going to take Anthony Black like right before us, essentially. Yeah. Um, it, he fits that mold. Like they've talked about, even Paolo talked about like, or Paolo talked about wanting to just like fill the team up with like big, versatile athletes that are switchable mm-hmm. one through five and, and just having length at every position. And yeah. like you've got Markel Fultz and he's getting better. But if Black can do the exact same things at several inches taller, Okay, that's great, and and right, and if Jalen Suggs and Jalen Suggs may just not be a good NBA player, yeah, or at least yeah. not for a while. So if you have to move on from you, move on from him. Sure. But you have if if Anthony Black is what he could be at his size, plus Franz, plus Paulo, that's pretty dynamic and not an easy team to guard, and a very switchable team defensively, which Bingo. makes it dangerous. I, I promise that they're not sitting there right now going, "Well, we've got Markel Fultz, we've got Cole Anthony, we've got Jalen Suggs." I don't know. We could take another guard if we think their best player available and, and and he fits their mold about as well as any prospect. So I just think that's going to be the pick unless they get so enamored by the other Thompson twin that they do that. But to me, like that's, I think that's probably the more sensible Orlando we pick is to yeah. go, to go black. And then 
if you're the Wizards, it's a sword Thompson and it sounds like Kobe Bufkin is their next best guy. And they, the reporting there from, from Jonathan Gavoni and Woj is, Hey, if, um, you know, if, if, uh, if black is gone, Kobe Bufkin is the guy. So, so based on that line of thinking, again, he, the two texts that I got that said here in Kobe Bufkin gun to my head, if I had to predict who ends up a wizard tomorrow night at the eighth pick, I would say Bufkin at this point, unless something wild okay. changes. That wouldn't be my personal choice, but I, I think that's kind of where I'm actually leaning at this point. And I'm sure the <laughs> look, I, I guarantee you two weeks ago, Wizards fans barely knew who Buffkin was. Right. I'm sure everyone has been on YouTube trying oh, yeah. to find as much footage, watch as many highlights of him as possible. Now they all swear they that they've watched him for all season oh, long. Sure. No. <laughs> that they knew that Michigan was the second best defense in the Big Ten all year, and that they were exactly. the team to their credit was actually much better with Buffkin on the floor than it was with Jed Howard on the floor. So take do with that what you will. Uh yeah, so I think that'll be really interesting. And I think that's the other thing with Anthony Black, too, is that's been the projected guy here for, like, two months. So, like, we've all had a time to just, like, nitpick him to death. Right. And and Buffkin is the new shiny thing coming in at the last minute. First, it was Koulibaly, and now it's Buffkin. So it's like, ooh, I, I like him. He's Jalen Williams 2.0, which he, he he could be. Like, maybe he's good as shit. I, I, I just, yeah. you know, it's just, I think some of that is the benefit of the doubt because he's the new guy. Agreed. Agreed. And it's always like when someone's an on ball, when, when they show that they have on ball chops, when they know, when they show that they can score, it gives you a little bit of reassurance that, you know, you're not going to get like, you know, you know, I, like, I, it's fair to, I think it's, I could say with pretty good confidence, he's not going to bust. Yeah. I think you said that earlier. There's a high floor. He's not going to bust. You're, he's going to put up points. He's going to be, there's going to be some level of excitement to watching him. So, you know, why not? Yeah. Totally with you. Uh, Oz, any parting shots before we get out of here? doesn't look like we're going to get any more Porzingis news uh, for the time being, it seems like. Yeah, no more Porzingis news. Maybe we got like 30 minutes to go. Um, now it's going to be a fun uh, a fun next 24, actually more than even 24 hours because now you got Kuzma. You know, are they going to be able to sign and trade him? There's just so many moving parts. Yep. It's got to be, you got to imagine, these guys kind of jumped right into it last week. And since last week, you know, just kind of just like, you know, pedal to the pedal to the floor, just like going full speed. It's going to be fun. Um, I would not just my own a couple, couple of predictions for tomorrow. I think depending on what happens, let's assume, let's assume something goes down and they end up with four picks. I don't think they'll be picking four players that will be on the roster tomorrow. Yep. So when they pick a stash player or when they trade two to move up a few spots, trade two picks to move up a few spots, relax. Don't be mad that they took a stash. You cannot play four rookies together. You already have to still look at Johnny. You have to look at Denny. You have to look at Corey. You have to still play Gaff. These guys, you have you need some vets who know how to play on the floor. Right. You don't want to burn those rookie contracts early for a guy who's going to be buried on the bench. They are gonna. They're not going to use all four picks. So let's pump the brakes on that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't think I have much else. It's gonna be you know. It's gonna be fun. I want to see. I would really like for them. They already know with Porzingis and Kuzma probably coming off the books in the next 24 months what their cap situation in 2024 to 2025 looks like. But I think everyone's kind of pointing to, oh, that's the summer we're going to trade for contract to get picks. Is there a way, I guess my own question, what I would like, what I would personally like to see, because I'm a little selfish and I, I just like the transactional nature of the NBA and transactions are kind of fun to watch. Can they leverage some of that cap space early? Can you go now and get like a Tim Hardaway Jr. who has two year, years left on his deal and get like a first round pick out of it. Can you 
is there a way to make something like that happen so that there's a more immediate benefit to the roster? Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that's going to be, that's going to be the thing that they're going to have to figure out here. And, and hopefully yeah. this is where they show that they're not Tommy, you know, <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the interesting one. I, I got a little distracted there in real time because someone is, is tweeting at me about things. 22, 22nd, 20, 22 T H U R L the real, uh, I, I guess this is about Anthony black. The, the comment being when you can't shoot teams, just play back and limit you from driving and take away all your passing lanes. It's happened time and time again. Yeah, I, I get it. Like, but, but we're not talking about like a Russell Westbrook caliber bad shooter. We're talking about a guy that was pretty good while wide open and, and teams will test him early. Um, it, it's the thing that happened with John wall, but also when you have the ball in your hands and you can attack people going downhill, you're also easier for you to draw a foul if they don't mm-hmm. come meet you at the ball. So um, guys that drive well, like black did and drew a lot of fouls, it's because people sagged and they went at them. So yeah, um, yeah, obviously it'd be better if you could shoot and then people wouldn't sag off you. But um, th- that's why Amon Thompson is more valued than a sore Thompson, despite being yeah. the slightly better shooter. Amon will have the ball more so he can attack you going downhill. That's the thing that happened with Andre Jackson for UConn this year. They used him as an off-ball wing and teams guarded him like he was like Draymond Green on offense. And then when they made him the de facto point guard and and let um, Tristan Newton kind of be a spot-up guy, like he went at people. And then all of a sudden UConn really started just beating the shit out of people because yep. now he was like driving and collapsing defenses and kicking out to people. So there are, it happens time and time again. Oh, okay, sure. It also happens time and time again where um, on-ball creators aren't that good a shooter. Like Jaws, not that good a shooter, but please try to stay in front of that guy. And I'm not saying Anthony Black is the same athlete that Jaws. Don't take that, you know, further than it needs to, but it's it's the role, right? Like it's the and guy it, with the ball. It's also only limiting if you are inactive without the ball. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think Anthony, back, Anthony Black is, yeah. a, is a player that's inactive without the ball. Right. Exactly. Um, it hurt like a John Wall at the end when he was yeah. injured. Couldn't do anything else. He, he basically there was that. Remember, this someone posted a, a you know s- stat from Second Spectrum or whatever it was called. Mm. Whatever that, like he basically cut once the entire season. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. So yes, if you can't shoot and yeah. you cut once in an entire season, sure. that can be limiting. If you're always on the move, it's not as limiting. And his shot isn't broken. It might not be a strength. It might not be like a pull-up jump shot where you could he could kind of ISO you and kind of just rise up and shoot from 15 feet out. But it's not a broken jump shot either. So no. teams are not going to – like it's not going to be a situation where a defender is yelling at him, daring him to shoot at like a Russell Westbrook or anything like that. That's just not the situation. And, and people are giving like Scoot Henderson a pass because, well, the shooting maybe it was actually – it fell off the second half of the year because he had a really bad, bad ankle injury. And I've talked about mm-hmm. that on this pod here too. But – that's also the same case for Anthony Black. Like he had to get treatment before and after every game the second half of the year. And that's where the shooting like actually started to really fall off. So um, like it, it's just weird where we pick and choose like which people we're going to give like yeah. narratives out to, to apologize for. And if you are a point guard with the ball and now all of a sudden you're limited by a bum high ankle sprain, like could that affect the shooting? Could it affect the driving? It, it could be impactful to all of those things too. Look, so I, I Let's look at it internally here. Denny, like on this roster, Denny Avdia mm-hmm. cannot shoot as of mm-hmm. now. I mean, the, I saw the clips of his new jump, his jump shot. 
looks a little better, but but until so he until he does it on an NBA floor, I don't give a shit. But he does look the dip looks a little better. That said, he has no problem getting to his right hand and getting to the basket. He has a problem finishing always always at the basket, which is a different issue because he doesn't use his left hand. But that that is a player that teams know cannot shoot, Mm -hmm. yet he still gets to the basket. So why are you concerned about Anthony Black's ability to get to the basket? Russell Westbrook's is an extreme where people will just absolutely dare him because they know he'll pull it yeah. and he's just, you know, they know he's just, and he's not going to do anything else. So they'll back way off of it mm-hmm. and kind of like crowd the floor. But that's like an extreme. That's not what the, ex- that you know, you should kind of look, if you're going to compare him to Denny and Troy, well, fine, compare him to Denny. Denny gets to the basket. Why can't Anthony Black get, get to the basket? Agreed. I love it. I mean, we'll see. Whatever the pick is, there'll be some percentage of fans that won't like it. And uh, I'm just going to try to be really happy with whatever they pick and hope that these guys know what they're doing. And then if this year goes really terribly and that person looked bad, well, then maybe I'll have less optimism next year. But for this year, I'm going to like the pick no matter who it is. This year. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Oz, thank you for doing this. Uh, Everybody, thanks for kind of bearing with us during these um, technical difficulties as we figure this out. I think we handle it well, you know? Yeah. You got to go in there. I told you I like the camera. The camera makes my tan and my beard looks good. There you go. You're killing it. You know, we don't have to apologize for anything. We did our job. (laughs) That's right, man. Uh, Appreciate everybody who's watching this in real time and listening to it after the fact. This is sort of our our test run for tomorrow's um, live NBA draft, um, you know, show during this, the live stream. It'll be to raise uh, money for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. So if you're interested in participating in that, Details will be posted as a part of the episode description here, and you can find it as the pinned tweet on my Twitter account as well. Uh, but yeah, that's the plan tomorrow. Just talk about the draft in real time and, and kind of break down who they go with. So if it's Kobe Bufkin, we'll tell you why you should or shouldn't like that and what that means. And if they have other picks, we'll, we'll get into all that stuff too. So looking forward to that. Oh, glad we stayed at this just long enough, Oz. It looks like there is actually something happening here just as we approach midnight. Uh, by all accounts, the Wizards have now brought in Memphis to replace the Clippers. Um, I, I don't know. Do you do you want to walk through the the at least the latest and greatest in, in real time here of, of who's going where and what? I'm I'm still okay. trying to like mentally wrap my head around this one. <laughs> <laughs> so far, Kristaps Porzingis is going to the Boston. Okay. Marcus Smart is going to Memphis. Okay. Two first. The Grizzlies are sending 20, 2023 and two thousand twenty four first round picks to the Celtics. Grizzlies are sending number 25 on Thursday night and the 2024 pick via Golden State for Smart. Those are the two first round picks. So it looks like, and this is confusing me. I mean, look, our end of the deal so far, Tyus Jones, the salaries don't all match. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure they're going to be more parts, but it does not seem like, I mean, Porzingis for Marcus Smart and two first round picks. Sorry, Porzingis and two first round picks for Marcus Smart seems like boston is making out yeah they're stealing. Plans, yeah they're stealing it is so memphis is getting out of this i mean i guess tyus jones and two first round picks for marcus smart that end doesn't really yeah there's got to be something off there we've got to be getting one of those picks right like i would assume so or maybe like 35 is going to us on this yeah it's something like marcus smart is i get like he's a he's a defensive guy sure it's he's basically Dylan. Like, he's Dylan Brooks without being an asshole, like, well, yeah, but in a good way. Yeah. yeah, like he's gonna. But is he that? Is he that? I thought he took a step back offensively, and I thought he was better than better offensively before. Yeah, it seems yeah. like a whole lot. Yeah, and I'm totally with you. Boston, if they did get, 
if they basically got Porzingis and two first round picks for Marcus Smart, that is insane. Tyree Great job Robert. by them. Yeah, I I can't opine on ours yet. I'll probably in the next couple of minutes. I will once Woj or Shams tweets out like what our actual full compensation is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this reeks of like desperation from Memphis, probably given the whole other stuff that they have going on there. Also, you could probably look at it like they did say they wanted to give Ty Jones an opportunity to start yeah. somewhere. They they kind of did him a solid. You know, they mm-hmm. they sent him here. I don't know how long he'll be here. He's an expiring. But he should have the first chance to start at point guard for his own team. And, uh, you know, so that's actually pretty cool of them to, like, give him that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, like, we wanted Tyus Jones a couple years ago, I think, right? I mean, that that was a thing that we talked about here. Um, yeah. So that's something, I guess. He presumably has some value. He's a solid player. Like, Memphis has actually been kind of good when John Morant is still out. So a lot of that falls on on Tyus Jones. but. I can't imagine us then flipping him again nets us a ton. It's probably another, uh, maybe the goal here is just actually, I know I said it jokingly before, but to actually end up with every second round pick ever. Like maybe that's where the wizards are going here. If we just own every second round pick, then like eventually we'll have to pick a good player by law of averages. I mean, you'd think so. You'd think they'd stumble on one once. This trade though, yeah, I'm just having a hard time getting my arms around it. You got, you want to know what the other parts are. It's just a weird. It's it's weird because like, everyone assumed that it, it's hard to imagine. Like, who knows how quickly things were moving? They had that Memphis kind of on the horn all yeah. along. Somebody was talking option. with them. Yeah, yeah. Somebody was talking to them and kind of keeping them in the loop. And as soon as things started going sideways and not closing, once they mm-hmm. didn't close, they had to start moving on this because to put this together that fast is is crazy. But at the same time, for Boston to get what they have in such a short time, maybe. It needed to be something that no one really realizes till the very end. Wait, Boston got what? <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it with the Johnny Davis point guard of the future wording coming from both Woj and Tommy Shepard almost simultaneously. Woj doesn't tweet some of these things by ask, accident. He gets the wording and the verbiage from the teams in the ways that they want to frame it. So he tweeted, the yeah. Grizzlies have been searching for a tough-minded, playoff-tested veteran for that young roster, dot, 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 and landed him in Marcus Smart. So that was clearly the plan. I wonder if they were calling us originally about DeLon Wright. Like maybe he could come in and play the D'Anthony Melton role that Melton used to play for them before he moved on. Like I I don't. And then maybe we were like, well, what would you do with, you know, want to get in with us in Boston instead? Like yeah. that's the only kind of thing I can figure here. But all right. So here's um, full details. I don't know how reliable Brett Siegel NBA is. He has Porzingis, the two first round picks going to Boston, Tyus Jones, Danilo Gallinari, and Mike Muscala coming here, and Memphis receiving Marcus Smart. Still doesn't seem like it makes sense because we get nothing out of that. Why would we do that? Why would we do that? We're just getting Tyus Jones, who is an expiring in and of himself. Like you flip him for one second round pick or two second round picks at the deadline. Like good shit. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Tyus Jones and others. Pieces would have made sense to me. Ty Jones alone does not. Right. We probably save a little money here, but this, yeah, we there needs to be something else here. God, if this so. new front office just comes in and just starts getting fleeced left and right, I'm going to lose my shit, Oz. And if we take like, I don't know, Derek Lively or something with the eighth pick, I'm I'm going to be like just rocking back and forth by midnight yeah. tomorrow. 
Yeah, there needs to be. I mean, if you're not even getting 35 out of this, this is insanity. I've got a proposed trade for the Wizards that they could take on after this. We sign and trade Kuzma to the Lakers where they get Kuzma and Corey Kispert and we get nothing back in return. Hey, why not? More, are there more <laughs> second round picks the Lakers could give us, presumably? Maybe we get Rui back. Can we do that? Let's get Rui back. Let's get Rui back. Um, yeah, let's get Rui back and then not sign him to an extension. That's right. And then that let him walk. You know? yeah, exactly. Or we trade him again for even more second round picks. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, this is... I got to hope that this is not the full comp. I mean, look, I don't... I'm going to give these guys a bet of the doubt for a bit, but it's beginning to wane if they really rush the Porzingis trade because, yeah, again, what did they really get here? All these... Co- Porzingis is expiring. It's not like he has two years left on his deal. So what did you gain by trading expire? It's it's um, it's um, kind of the whole everyone's like, well, we'll just trade Chris Paul to the Clippers for Marcus Morris and like one of their other expirings. You're trading expirings for expiring, so you're not gaining anything. So you need to be incentivized, incentivized with another asset. What's the asset that the Wizards are getting here? Are they looking at Tyus Jones as a potential future point guard? I mean, he's a nice player. We talked about having him, like, him last year as a target. He's not the biggest point guard, you know? No, no that, that wouldn't do anything for us. The, the Wizards have to be getting 35 here, and now there are starting to be some tweets trickling out about the Celtics will also send the number 35 overall pick to the Wizards. Yep. And you're hearing this in real time, folks. So if you're listening to this first thing on Thursday morning and it's obvious that the 35th pick is going to the Wizards, bear with us. Um, that's the problem with doing a live podcast, essentially, is that this shit happens. But uh, yeah, I, that, that's the only way it makes sense. If you get Tyus Jones and 35 and expiring deals, cool. Like you can flip Tyus Jones for some more seconds. Yeah. So if you get three second round picks back for Porzingis just to sign and trade him somewhere else, essentially, like I, it's opt in and trade, but mm-hmm. um, that's now, not the worst. At underdog underscore NBA. Yeah. No they, idea who the fuck that is. They've got they a bunch saying, of followers. So they do. They're saying the 35th pick is coming our way. Okay. So I can maybe live with that. Um, maybe. So basically the difference. So if you're looking at a difference from what the proposed trade was earlier today, you're getting 35 and Tyus Jones versus 30 and Marcus. What was it? The earlier version was Marcus Gallinari and 30, correct? There was no future comp coming. Correct. So you're just, tra- you're getting five spots worse, but you're getting Tyus Jones instead of Marcus Morris. That at least makes it on par with, I think, what was on the table before. I'm still just livid at what Boston's getting out of it. Fuck oh, Boston, Boston is this just... Is why, this Boston is, why is wrecking both teams. You know, Boston, and I don't care if you're offended if you're from Boston and I'm saying this, I'm never coming to your fucking city again. Yes. Uh, Nautilus Pier 4 restaurant um, is amazing in Boston, and uh, I will go there literally just for that. Like, we have spent hundreds of dollars to fly to Boston just so I can eat at this place, but... yeah. Other than that, that city can get effed. Um, <laughs> how about that? I mean, I'm totally by saying this, I'm totally going to get stuck there in like a planes, trains, and automobiles type situation. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're going to get a call from work tomorrow. Hey, we're relocating you to Boston forever. Yeah. Enjoy the winters. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I don't think much more is going to come out about this at this point. So let's call it for real here. Uh, any any final thoughts on this new trade for Porzingis House? If 35 is included, it's fine. 
I'm going to ignore the Boston Memphis part of it because Agreed. it's so screwed up. That's their business. Our part of it is on par with what Tyus Jones and 35, I think, and it is late, but I still think I would have that rather than Marcus Morris and 30. Would you agree? Uh, agreed. The, 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 but we said this before, you could make the case that 35 is a better pick than 30. Yeah. Um, that's Love it. Now, you're also going to think, I would have to imagine one of Monte, Chris Paul, I don't think Tyus. DeLon. DeLon Wright. Is gone by the One of those of three is gone, maybe by tomorrow, maybe yeah. by tonight, maybe by the time people are listening to this in the morning. One of them is gone, out yeah. the door. You'd have to think at least one, if not two, especially imagine if they draft Anthony Black now. So like, Or the plan is to bring Scott Brooks back and have more four-point guard um, lineups. Tyus Jones is the perfect size for the small forward spot under Scott Brooks. And be six foot. It's perfect, you know? And we'll start Denny at center, and it'll be amazing. We'll just run amazing. on everybody, and it'll be great. Amazing. Uh, all right. Thanks for doing this again, Oz. Uh, yep. Everybody, thanks for dealing with us and this roller coaster of emotions as we talked about the Porzingis trade, then the falling through Porzingis trade, then the new Porzingis trade, and some draft stuff. So hopefully that was fun, entertaining for you, and you're not listening to this, getting like whiplash of us moving back and forth. But uh, you all know the drill. Rate, review, uh, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you tomorrow for our live draft show. So make sure to, uh, to tune in for that at 8 p.m. sharp. All right. See y'all. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube